Why is it so hard for us to get started on creative projects and lives that we've secretly desired for so long? We think, who, who am I to start this? What are people going to think of me? And how am I going to make a living doing this? How am I going to survive? A lot of it comes down to fear of the unknown, right? We crave security and status. Doing something we've never done before. Even starting this podcast took me months. Even though I host another podcast, it took me months to plan this, to record it, to actually press that publish button and put this show out into the world. It doesn't get any easier. Welcome to ACE. I'm your host, Darren, and this is a show about charting your own path to do your best, most meaningful work. This is a show about making things happen. My next guest, Paul Millard, has shared his journey from strategy consultant and MBA to writer, coach, and digital nomad in prolific fashion. He's thought deeply about the future of work and what it takes to carve your own path. He's helped hundreds of people with his writing, with his courses, with his podcast, and with the dozens of curiosity conversations he's had with strangers and friends over the years at think-boundless.com. He's done so with both an open, generous heart and rigorous research and thinking, which I appreciate. And in this episode, Paul and I discuss the mindsets, tools, and models to face the challenges of reinvention and the eternal unknowns of self-employment. Paul calls this the pathless path. So if you're itching to start something new but haven't been able to do so, this is the episode for you. I hope you enjoy it. My next guest has documented his journey from McKinsey and BCG consultant and MIT Sloan MBA to writer, solopreneur, course creator, coach, podcast host um, in prolific fashion. And his website, think-boundless.com, is a great starting point to help you reinvent yourself, your work, and your career. He's also a big fan of the Wiggly line, which I, I see a lot <laughs> in his articles on his site. So, Paul, welcome to ACE. Nice to be here, Darren. <laughs> yeah. I just want to thank you so much for being so generous in the way you um, communicate the challenges of moving beyond the default path in such a thoughtful and articulate way. And I was telling you before the call that I feel like we're kindred spirits in many ways. Um, and although we've taken very different career paths, I feel like our curiosity is the same, right? And we're both kind of searching for a life and, and uh, a work that's successful in our own terms, as opposed to conventional, uh, more traditional metrics. So I'm so excited that two of my friends actually recommended I get in touch with you. So I know you've been putting out a lot of great work into the world. So I'm glad we can finally connect and, and make this happen. That's amazing. And also, it makes me sound like I have a lot of friends in Vietnam. Those are the only <laughs> two people I know in Vietnam. So two um, good people to know. Matt McGarvey are, and Korea. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I've found, I think, so my exploration of this writing and trying to basically just go a little 
deeper and more thoughtful and more nuanced to the conversation of like, how do you, how do you, instead of like, Oh, I quit my job and I found my passion and I'm so happy. I was kind of skeptical of that. And then in my own journey, I've found that that's not close to reality. I wanted to go a little deeper, a little more honest, a little more experimental. And what I've found is there's a lot of people like you and me who the default path, it wasn't that it didn't work. Often I find it actually does work for a lot of people, but there's a disconnect where you're made to buy into some of these different beliefs like, oh, it's all about learning. But the learning people are talking about is like learning how to behave and be employable and learning how to act and not actually learning. And then by kind of like trying to fit in, you lose your curiosity a bit. And it's to some people that's fine, but maybe to me and you, that kind of feels like an attack on our soul. And we're willing to like blow up something that seems to make sense for a less certain kind of exploratory journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've really enjoyed, you know, your writing covering so many of these issues and I wanted in particular to focus on your thoughts on, on reinvention and starting something new, because that to me, among our audience, I know that's a big problem. Like people want to start creative projects or move into a different career or even assume a new identity, but they're stuck. That friction keeps them paralyzed in place. But let me, let me actually get to the real issue, though, which is uh, you just got married, right? I did. Yeah. In October. Congratulations. it's actually the first thing it's like is it harder to live this um you know nomadic life and unconventional route as someone who's who's married uh no because i kind of uh i was looking for somebody that was aligned with some of the same beliefs and principles i think that is the why behind why we connected and got married but we're actually leaving Taiwan this week and going to start a year plus adventure of living nomadically together. And I think we're kind of like figuring out different phases where she's at, where I'm at and trying to figure it out along the way. Um, but yeah, I, you said it's an issue. To me, it's actually a huge benefit to have somebody that like supports me and Uh, encourages me when I'm feeling like a fool or a loser or doubting myself. It's kind of like finding your co-conspirators along the way. I think one of the most important things if you're going to reinvent is you need to find new friends. Like that is perhaps the most important thing because if you're trying to find freelance projects, trying to create some art project on the side and all your friends are working at a bank you're going to feel like a fool <laughs> unless you have that other friend or that partner or supporter who's like, yeah, I'm dealing with the same thing. We're all, we're all fools, but it's a fun journey. Absolutely. I mean, I can't agree with you more. And that's a big reason I, I moved to Saigon from Singapore because I felt like even though I had great friends in Singapore, I had to be in this environment and with people who saw me in that new identity or that new space I was trying to create. And I, I guess, you know, just because I get a lot of shit from my friends, like, you know, Darren, what girl's going to want to um, to be with you when you're traveling around so much? But it looks like you found, you know, like you said, like a fellow co-conspirator, which is awesome. 
Well, I think there's an easy answer. It's actually the kind of person you actually want to meet, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. But I've I've no advice in within those realms. Uh, I think I just yeah. got lucky. Yeah. But, um, well, congratulations again on that. <laughs> Thank and you. Look forward to to hearing more about your both your journeys over the next year. So bringing that back to reinvention, you mentioned in one of your blog posts that you feel like it's the most important skill to have uh, these days. And I'm wondering why you believe that. I say it's the most important skill in reaction to the conversations I've had with many, many people over the last several years. In fact, probably over the last 10 plus years, I've always had an interest in trying to figure out how do you navigate a career? That is expanded to how do you navigate a life? Because that is the real question. And what I've encountered over and over again is that people hate trying to navigate a career or make a job switch or apply for a new job. It brings up a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety, a lot of discomfort. And that seems to be holding a lot of people back from either the lives they want or things they want to be able to do. And I think like we we almost live with these ideas of work and life that it is this straight line. Except if you talk to any individual, it's never true. You talk to somebody who's in a senior role and they tell you about their crazy random path of how they got there. It's never a straight line. It's never comfortable. It's never direct. But we we still operate under the idea that it is. And I think what's happening is like there's a dissonance there. People expect it to be smooth and like you work hard and you get taken care of and life works itself out. And I think what I mean by reinvention is really kind of like resilience such that when things inevitably do happen, they happen to everyone. You're going to either have relationship crises, health crises, work crises. I don't know anyone that has survived any, all of those three, right? How do you know how to go through those things and know you're going to be okay, right? Um, so when I think of reinvention, it's really kind of like the broader um, life principles of how do you deal with that from an identity standpoint, from an emotional standpoint from just even knowing what that's supposed to feel like, knowing that a loss of identity and feeling like absolute crap, that's normal. Other people have been there before you. It's part of the process, unavoidable. Why do you think it's so hard for people to perhaps have this in their in their work lives, especially when they're changing careers and jobs. And yeah, I'm referring specifically to your post, right? Where you talk about how we need an updated map of reality, like updating our expectations of what work actually provides and also unreasonable ideas of success that that we have, which I thought was a great way to put it. I think people are expecting more than ever from work. And at the same time, work has actually improved. So we're work is getting better and we're also expecting more but it's almost way more than it's improved like work hasn't improved that much work is still work for many people and we have this idea that work should be meaningful and that is really challenging to be 
so central in your life and have so much stakes riding on your work being meaningful. And if it's not like ecstasy or joy, people have this idea that it's not you're failing, right? And then you're searching for something else and then you do something else and it's just another job and you're struggling, right? So I think people's expectations have gone up. There's a number of reasons for that. People aren't as, people are in smaller families, aren't as tied to local communities. Um, especially with like, I guess you would call it the creative class, people living in cities all over the world. And there's that gap. Work has gotten better, but the expectations have gone up even more, I think. And we're still tying success to money, power, and status, except, well, actually, in some cases, you are able to meet the money needs. People find out quickly, okay, I got the money I want, but I'm not happy. Something's wrong. And then they try to make a job change and something's still wrong, right? And it almost even starts to go deeper, which is, well, maybe work won't make you happy, right? Maybe you need to contemplate, like, what is the life you actually want to live? And what role does work play in in that? And that's a hard question, right? Because yeah. <laughs> once, very... once you go down that rabbit hole, and if you accept the premise that you're not doing the things you actually want to do, that's the most terrifying part. Because if you're being honest with yourself, you have to make a change. Otherwise, you're living in this disconnected reality, right? But making a change might mean giving up your status, giving up your identity, giving up your comfort, giving up your idea of who you are and who you're supposed to be and that's not easy that could take years it sounds like you've gone through somewhat of a similar process i mean where where are you in that process i i am becoming more and more confident in just living what i believe to be for myself and not for anyone else but for myself you know i'm just trying to live my perfect day I'm basically trying to construct my life so I can do the work that I truly love to do and try to offer people value, but also do that in a sustainable way and accepting some of the trade-offs that come with that. So for me, the hardest part, I think the final step I need to get over is like old identities and mm. um, old what could have beens and putting those aside because those hold me back and they, they prevent me from being completely aligned. What I was going to ask you is, it's one thing to say like, all right, well, what's really important to you, right, in your life? But I feel like those things can't be thought through. I feel like they can only be <laughs> lived. That's the only way to really discover those things is to to try. And so I kind of wanted to ask you about that. With all the the people you work with and all the people you've spoken to, like, how do you help them experiment with that, you know, what's important to them? I think you hit the nail on the head, which is it's about asking the question and not actually coming up with an answer. I don't know if you can come up with answers to the deepest questions, but it's more about just asking and having the awareness. And I think the idea of the ideal day is a cool idea to orient around because you can kind of check in with yourself and say, wow, that was a really nice day. That was worth it, right? And it's funny, right? Can you reflect on any single work day and be like, oh, wow, that was it? Not really, right? <laughs> yeah, I've actually do it. So every day I rank my day. But when you were working, whatever you're doing previously. 
Like past jobs. Yeah. Whoa, was I able to? I didn't even think about that. But even if I was, I, I probably would have just kind of an uneasy feeling or like a, like a feeling of lightness or a feeling of just energy suck. That's the best way I could probably describe it. But I wouldn't really know how to process it otherwise. Well, yeah, in my experience, reflecting back on like my work days, there's no like standout type of day that was ideal, right? It's almost insatiable the need. And I think this ties to meaningful work, which is you can't really reach that like inner peace through just work. It has to be a full day, right? Work can be part of that. But once you start looking at the ideal day, it involves how you're orienting and waking up in the morning, the activities you're doing, the people you're engaging with. Um, and it can fit within it, but I think it has to be the life angle and not just the work angle. I but, I can't agree with you more. <laughs> and I think reflecting on what you said, like trying to let go of past identities, I don't know if it's a letting go. In, and it's really about kind of integrating the past. And I think I've gone through a process of kind of like being frustrated with my past and like, oh, why didn't I leave earlier? Or... How could I be doing such just like nonsensical work for so so long stretches, right? And I think I've gotten more positive. Uh, it's hard to say. It's just become more integrated, and I'm I'm not at tension with the past anymore. And I'm able to say, oh, that these were valuable experiences. I made a lot of uh, connections, learned a lot of things, and it kind of helped shape me. You can never fully move on from the fact that you used to be in a different path. Like I used to be in consulting and making really good money and those people like get promoted every couple of years and they're just like raking it in and I'm not. And it's very clear when friends are just like moving up the the path or like making the big move to buy the big perfect house and living the what seems like the perfect life. Like who knows, right? I feel like a loser sometimes and that's unavoidable. And I, I think after I'm like three years into this journey, but I mean, it's, it probably started a few years before that, but really in it three years and I still stop some days and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? But to me, that's like a feature, not a bug because the, like pathless path I'm on forces the reflection. Whereas like when I was working full time, I, I would put my head down and not really think about these deeper things for six months to a year sometimes. Cause it's like, everything is set. You're working here. You have a year lease. You can't leave before X amount. And like now self-employed, it's like, well, I don't know what I'm doing next month for work. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you, in those moments where you feel like a loser or you feel you're behind in some way, right, to your peers, what do you tell yourself or how do you keep going down the path you're going? It's been about making new friends for me. Friends have been vital. Just making connections with people on a non-default path. Like, you don't even need to fully express it. You can just send a note to somebody and be like, yeah, I, I'm worthless this week, not accomplishing anything. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. 
And she's like, yep, me too. <laughs> Good to be on the same journey with you, right? Um, and I think that's that's become almost central to everything I do. Everything I do, I try to orient around, can I build awesome relationships with great people, right? And my, I haven't been orienting around maximizing like revenue or building a business. It's really been around how do I connect with people who are incredible, who are living lives like with their heart and generous and kind and ethical and integrity. And those people are amazing because I now have, I don't know, there's probably 10 or so people who would just like take me in and put me on their couch for months without asking for anything from me. And I'd probably do the same for them because we're all on like a similar journey. And that is really hard to understand before you've taken a leap off a default path because you're looking at things in terms of what you might lose. And it's really hard to know what the what you might gain. You can't picture that if you don't have it yet, right? You can only say, well, I might lose my salary. I might not get a job. I might lose my health. I might go bankrupt. I might lose my house, right? But man, there have been some just unbelievable, just like an opening and a softening into the world, which is what keeps me on this journey. And it's like, man, I am so lucky. Yeah. I felt the same way. And I'm so thankful for the people I've met along my own journey as well. In my mind, I'm living this great life where I have the freedom to work on things that I want to work on. Uh, You know, I can have chats with people like you, but it's hard to keep my metrics in front of my face. And when the whole rest of the world seems to go by all the other conventional metrics, you know, even though, yeah, I have my band of, of free spirits, you know? So, I mean, I'm sure you must deal with that a lot with your clients too, right? Not just yourself. Yeah. We're living in a wage-based world. It doesn't, most countries even quote-unquote developing nations, are operating in a wage-based economy where you need to quote-unquote earn a living, right? There's a fundamental belief in that which says at rest state has not earned a living yet, right? Now, I think if you have friends and family members, you wouldn't hold them to that level. But at society and cultural levels, we certainly are holding people to that. And so there is this pressure, like I need to make a living and we're living in economies that are growing. So things are always going to get slightly more expensive. So there's this sense that you're always going to run out or lose money. And so there's almost like a a fear that's oh yeah, going to creep in to anyone who's not earning a stable income, right? Like this is why like people think I'm against full-time employment. I think it's fantastic. When you think about it, it's almost like there are, I don't know, probably billions of people working full-time jobs where they have stable employment and at least some security and comfort. Like that's a pretty incredible innovation against like the uncertainty of life, right? But for many, it doesn't work. And we're living in a time in which there are more options to work. There are more ways to live. There is more flexibility geographically. And people, like, 
it's just not evenly spread out yet, right? We haven't figured out how to live in these new paradigms, working on the internet, having digital calls between Taiwan and Vietnam. Like, none of this was possible even 10 years ago. I was hoping you could share, you know, some of what you mentioned, like the mindsets, the tools and the models to like navigate this modern world and make sense of it, especially for those of us who have just started or, or, you know, are about to make that jump. Because again, you have to put your foot in the water to feel what it's like. Right. But to, to first put that foot in the water takes so much. Yeah, I think one of the most important things you can, like I keep saying this, reach out to people and connect with people, make friends is. I appreciate you to keep saying that, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, like find people ahead of you on a journey that looks interesting. There's enough like awareness of people doing all sorts of stuff. One Google search away or like one Instagram search away, right? Just reach out and they're like happy to talk to people who are curious and want to know how to do different things, right? Um, I think another thing which seems to resonate with people is how I think about creating. And people have a broken model of success, again, which says, Darren, you can't do this podcast. It needs to be perfect, right? Who are you to do this? Right. You can't. I've asked myself that sometimes as well. (laughs) Right. Well, that's that's the narrative of success. Right. Like who who are you to be doing this? Like what credentials do you have? Do you need a studio? Do you need all these things? Right. Um, So we assume everything needs to be perfect. And there's a challenge because you don't just want to like recklessly do things, but you do want to create in a little messy of a way, right? Like you're really you're really into dance. Yes. That's right? Like that's it. Like dance is a perfect example of this. Like when you're learning, you, at first you get like super confident and then you go in the dip for a long time where you feel like a fool and you're so bad at everything. But the only option is to like go out there and dance. Like it's the same thing with doing things digitally, working online, coaching, all these experiments I've done, which is I try to find something that's slightly beyond my comfort zone. And there's really good research on this. That's like something that really um, drives satisfaction with work is like slightly beyond your comfort zone, not too much, such that you're going to learn and have to figure it out. Um, And the goal is not to like make money. It's to figure out if you actually like what you're doing figure out what to do next and to figure out if it's a journey you want to keep on right like so when I start my podcast I do five or six episodes and I thought it would be a way to like reshape the conversation around the future of work and organizations it's evolved into a different conversation but what happened was I realized oh wow Interviewing people is really an interesting skill to develop. And I had a ton of fun. And I was making friends with the people I was doing it. 
So it was like a no-brainer I was going to keep doing it. And I liked all the like audio editing and all tech stuff behind it. So it was like, this isn't much of a cost and it feels like I'm skiing downhill doing this, right? So I'm going to keep doing it. In all aspects of my work, I try to create experiments for myself. It's like, okay, this month I'm going to try and like find somewhere to like up my writing game. Is there somewhere I can contribute such that if I aim the bar higher, it will make me improve my writing? And then see what happens, right? So I did that and it was a great experience, helped me improve my writing. But like, it's a lot of work to try and get like posts and like all these publications and stuff. Oh my and, God. Like, I, I just don't like the game. Um, so I decided I'm not going to really pursue that. I'm just going to write in my blog. So that was the year I kind of like two years ago, I was like, I'm going to try and really take writing serious. But now I'm on like a 10 year journey with that. I'm really excited about like, I just want to keep going with writing. Like I've gotten a lot better, but there is a lot of room to grow. And that's a journey I want to be on. So it's similar with dancing, right? It's, you know, you don't know what you're doing, but you have to do the thing you don't know to learn how to do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so this has been my challenge and, you know, maybe you have some thoughts on it. It's like, I know what, you know, my quote, quote unquote writing is like, I also love doing these podcasts. I love to talk to people and I want to do more of it, but I also need to support myself. So it's like, how do you balance? Yeah. Again, it's not like work is my complete identity, but it's balancing that day. Right. So I can, for example, host for three hours, host in air quotes, like everything around hosting. But then I also need to, to, to pay the bill so I can keep hosting. <laughs> you know, that's, so, you know, I think this is, this is the challenge for me. Yeah. I mean, so how are you making money now? I have another business that's also involved in MBA education. Yeah. So we have like a resource site that helps people find, you know, the best business school for them internationally, helps connect them to business schools, helps give uh, great tips on, on, on how to get in to the top MBA programs. Awesome. So, I mean, that's how I've been thinking about it too, is I use whatever is paying the bills to fund my creative ventures. And I try to minimize the hours I spend on the stuff where I make money and I lower my cost of living to create the more time and space to do the creative stuff because I know the creative stuff is not going to make money in the first year or two. But it leads to like these surprising opportunities down the road. And I I think it takes like two to three years for this to even start happening. Like I had somebody reach out yesterday about this like mini workshop I did four or five years ago. And they, they're now at a company and they were saying, Hey, we've been following your work and thought you'd be cool to like do a workshop with our company. And it's like, Oh wow. It's like, you can only get that by like keep giving with no expectation of return and like keep going. Yes. But that requires a tremendous amount of faith in the world. <laughs> you beat me to my next question. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you about, you know, which is underlying all your responses to me so far in this conversation is this faith. I feel it. Mm. This faith in abundance. I'll, I'll just put it that way. That if you keep giving, it will, without any expectation of return, you know, just because you're putting good work out there and you're helping people, it's going to somehow come back to you in whatever way and will help you continue on. You know, I'm not saying it's going to make you $2 million, 
but you'll be able to continue on your path, right? Yeah, and even if it doesn't, it's fine. I think that it, that's a really hard shift, right? Because like we grew up in this wage-based economy as well, which says we give our time and you give us money, right? I have value and worth, and you need to respect and pay for that. Now, as you work as a solopreneur, you basically need to do work for free. Like that is unavoidable, no matter what you're doing. Like your podcast, you're putting stuff out because you want to put it out. If you have expectation that you'll make money, that's going to be a like dark cloud over everything you do. Like people are going to feel that. And you might need to work through that, but that is something that you need to figure out. Like if you don't like giving and you feel like people need to owe you for everything you do, like working on your own, solopreneurship, self-employment is not for you. It's just going to be it's just going to be painful because you're going to get screwed. You're going to get not paid by stuff. You're going to get lowballed. Things are going to take longer than you expect to turn into things. And I I think that that's some of the aspect I want to bring to this conversation around self-employment because it is really easy to get clicks and follows if you just say, here are the 10 hacks I use to make $75,000. I worked in the business world and I was pretty good at the corporate world. I know how to make money. I know I could like ramp stuff up and double down, but it wouldn't be the journey I want to be on. And I know, like I want to take maybe two or three times as long, maybe not make as much money in the short term or even the long term. And like, figure out like how do you do this without like sacrificing work you don't want to do or like paths you don't want to follow right um and that that like brings me alive like i love that question of like how do you do it because i'm living it too and it's hard and i don't have the answers but i keep learning and it's so cool yeah it reminds me of a quote i think quincy jones the famous music producer uh, said something about when you're making music, you can't think about money because then God walks out of the building. <laughs> Just like right, one of my favorite faith. quotes. It's faith, right? Faith, whatever you call it. It's like, uh, it doesn't have to be religious, it could be spiritual, it could be secular, but it's like just a trust in like <laughs> something will be okay. Yeah. And that's that's honestly for me, and I've talked about this on past episodes, it's been a hard thing for me to completely trust. I don't know if that's because of my upbringing or growing up in the U.S. and the way of thinking there, you know. Yeah, it's been a tough part of the journey. Moving towards things that I am truly moved by and that I know something is like channeling through me, you know, mm. that's that's exciting and I'm I'm thrilled about. And to keep doing that instead of like the more fear-based career decisions and work decisions, you know, involving scarcity and, oh no, I'm getting older or, oh no, like I, these chances are passing me by, etc. Well, you probably feel a little guilty too, right? Like you had this successful path and these expectations of you and you're kind of working through like trying to become this new identity and you're in the transition phase, right? I, I think I'm still in that transition phase too. But it's been like eight years for me. <laughs> and you're <laughs> you're you've only been on the path for three years, but I already sense the the uh the rootedness of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean but I think it's always a transition. Yeah, I 
it, there there's a guilt though, right? It's like we're not doing what we're supposed to. Growing up in the US, there's two sides of the coin. One is like do what you want to do, be happy, follow freedom. The other side is like individual responsibility and like your duty, right? And responsibility and duty has been warped with, oh, getting a big home, going to fancy colleges, like making a lot of money, working a full-time job, right? And I think like I'm interested in that disconnect. How do you embrace the freedom without going full on like do whatever that I want every day? I don't care what people think. And then how do you transcend the responsibility with saying like, well, responsibility can be other things, right? Like taking ownership of your relationships or your connection to your community or different things like that. And that is against the grain. Um, so I, th- I think you're yeah, very much. I think we're both going to feel that like pain, right? I think Singapore, Singapore is almost like taking the American mindset to the next level. And they, they probably lean more on the like responsibility end, right? For sure. But yeah, I I was watching a video of Singapore in the 90s and it it just like resonated so deeply with like the American values I grew up with, right? It's like, be yourself, (laughs) do all these things, be happy. And then it's like, well, no, everyone was lying. Like they just wanted you to get a full-time job and like shut up and like not be creative. (laughs) That's hilarious. Exactly. Oh, man. Strikes a little close to home. <laughs> you know, that's, I guess my next question is, if this this life is a never-ending transition, which which I think it is. Um, I call it the pathless path. Okay. The pathless path. Huh. Yeah. And then I'm stealing that from someone. I don't know who the, I know David White wrote about it in one of his books, but I think he's quoting Rumi or someone. Right. The pathless path. So on the pathless path, right, the hardest part for me has been, you know, when to pivot, when to accelerate, when to stop. And so I'm wondering if, you know, in your own journey, if you found certain clues for those different things, you know, what has helped you pivot this way or that? Yeah, I'm really curious from from your experience, what you've seen there. I've been really protective of my time. Like I've undercommitted I am not the typical person that like went to MIT and went to consulting firms. Most of the my friends that are in those environments work crazy amount of hours. And I think in some sense, like create extra work for themselves. I always like wanted to work less and was obsessed with like being efficient. It's probably the engineering in me. Um, so I always wanted like space and time to like for non-work. And I think I've been even more protective of that. You said earlier, before we dove into this interview, what's your ideal day? I think my ideal day is like a blank canvas most of the days. So I try to design around that. So my design constraints are no meetings, if I can avoid them, right? Like no like standing meetings or anything like that or team meetings or even like I try to stay away from projects or consulting projects where I'd have to be part of a big complex team. Maybe I'll do that in the future, but it doesn't work right now. Um, I try to avoid setting an alarm. Hmm, that's uh, interesting. So yeah. I just try to get as much sleep as my body needs and then just wake up. 
I try to leave afternoons open for exercise, like some sort of movement, get outside, get in the sun, bike, wander around, those kind of things. Um, and then I kind of just let the rest fall into place. I think I'm very like, I'm constantly like reaching out with people and connecting with people and like offering up help here and there. So I think a lot of opportunities emerge out of that. But I can't tell you what I'm going to be working on the second half of this year. I have no idea, but it's like, I'm just going to try a bunch of different things and I keep just coming up with new experiments to try. And Noah is like my secret sauce is I have these curiosity conversations. I just made a video about it. I've had about 150 over the last two years. I just have a link on my site. People can book them. And it's typically people that resonate with what I'm writing or my newsletter or different things like that. And we just talk about our issues. I bounce ideas off them. I've had a couple of people challenge me and be like, hey, you're writing about all this, like you need to create tools or like a course for like people to do something. And that led to me creating a course, right? So it's like always creating challenges for myself, but with like one or two people in mind such that I can create for them. And that's how a lot of my things have evolved. It sounds like all your experiments are less about, okay, I'm going to pursue this project versus project B. I'm going to pursue project A versus project B because... It's less of that and more like I'm learning through these experience what I want my day to be and right. structuring it that way. So a couple examples. I think once you have the time, right, you can then make a list of what are 20 to 50 ways I can make money, right? Most people never sit down and write down that list. Like what are the ways I can make money? Of that list, which ones are really exciting and interesting? Also, like list some things you could do that don't make money volunteer, go take a dance class, all these things, right? Things you want to do in your life. And then just try to go make time with them and commit to them. Uh, When I was in Boston before I moved to Asia, I had free time over the summer and I approached one of the professors I took a class with at MIT and was like, I really loved your class. Like, is there any way I could like volunteer? And he said, well, why don't you just be my TA for the semester and I'll pay you? And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But like, you can't actually do that job unless you're willing to take a really low wage and have the time to do that on like Mondays mornings for three hours, right? So step one is the time and then come up with opportunities and like just go after things. Um, So like I was home this past summer and I emailed a co-working space and say, hey, I'd love to have like a free workshop, just like meet some people in the community. Um, so I did that um, here in Taiwan. I like sent a note to the local consulting group and was like, hey, I'll give a workshop to your students. Would that be interesting? Like, yeah, it'd be great. Through that, I was able to like develop a bunch of more exercises and stuff for my strategy consulting course. And it's basically just like doing things like that. But the real beauty is like reaching out to people and just helping them. Mm. And yeah. I mean, my cost of living is just very low. I don't really buy much. I don't need much. I don't want much. I don't want a house. I don't want a fancy car. I don't want, like, expensive things. And I'm just trying to, like, break even. I'm lucky. Like, I have a lot of work experience. I know I could fall back on. I could probably get a full-time job. And I've developed a capacity for living on way less than I thought I needed when I left the corporate world. 
So I have more flexibility. So it's really about like just keeping the journey going right now. Having been a part of those big consulting firms and that whole business school track, like, how are you thinking about retirement as concrete an issue as retirement? So what is, like, what is retirement for you? What does that mean? So when I think about retirement, what comes to mind is like, I want to be financially secure in retirement. Yeah. What does that uh, mean? Define that more for me. Financial is security? It, yeah. Is that a certain amount of money per year? Is that a total amount? Is that like being able to um, cover a crisis. Yeah, all those things. I mean, yeah, it's basically a projection of what I think I'll need when I'm older and uh, trying to work towards that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a risk. I, I think what where my mindset in, is on that is I'm not, going after the upper middle class idea of retirement and I'm willing to take a little more risk and I'm fully aware, right? But I'm only 35, right? And all the things I'm doing, I don't think I'd want to not be doing some of them when I'm 60 or 70. Like I I love teaching. I love writing. I love creating. I love helping people. Those are things like either I could still do them for money or if I have reached some point of security, I could just do for fun, (laughs) do for fun. Right. And I want to keep doing them. Like, and I think like self-employment has given me that confidence, which is I can make money in a bunch of different ways. I'm resilient to different ways of living life and I'll be okay. And ultimately made me grapple with some of the deeper insecurities of life. Like we have to grapple with death and the uncertainty of life. It's always there, right? It's not just when you're old. And I'm more at peace with all those things. I don't know. Like if I need money, I'll go get a job. Like I'm not like I'm not that stubborn to like neglect needs or if people are counting on me basic necessities, right? But I don't need multiple homes and like I don't want to go on a cruise. Look at the cruises <laughs> cruises seem very high risk right now, right? Um but like I'm doing all the travel now. Like <laughs> when I'm older I kind of just want to sit in the sun and sit in a chair and read a book. Like I don't want to be cobbling around if I'm having pain or discomfort. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. And I'm just wondering, you know, from all the conversations you've had, like if there's one big thing that just really pisses you off about career questions people have or, you know, do you have kind of that that thing that really annoys you? (laughs) I think a lot of things fire me up. I don't know if it pisses me off. But I think at the core what drives me is, Man, we are all so lucky to be alive. And like what? There's so many different things you can do. And I think what 
I struggle with is like people that are like educated, have degrees, have opportunities are some of the people that will tell me they can't do a whole list of things. And I'm like, are you serious? You really, on paper, so educated and you really can't come up with more options than like, well, I have to be an accountant. That's my only option. That's all I can do, right? Man, let's cultivate our imagination here. Let's dream a little bigger. I think that's at the core of what fires me up. And questions people ask are, well, how do I get a job doing X? How do I find a job I'm passionate about, right? They're starting from the wrong standpoint, right? And I think the better question is like, what kind of life do you actually want to live? Or people will tell me like, well, I need this much to live. And it's a crazy amount, crazy figure, right? And then they work backwards like, well, I need to make X amount a year for the next 30 years because this is how much I need. And it's like, do you realize this one number you've come up with is dictating how you spend every single day of your life? And it's like, how do you not reflect on like, okay, what do I really need? And I think that that's kind of at the core of it. It's like, I don't really care what people do. It's just like, ask the deeper questions, even if it's uncomfortable. It's worth like challenging yourself a little. Have you heard of the book uh, Outsight by uh, Herminia Ibarra? Have you heard of her? No. She's like a business school professor. Uh, I think she was at NCAD. point of this book is you can't really challenge who you are by thinking about right. you know, who you want to be. You have to actually go out into the world and like stumble a little bit or like expose yourself to a different way of being, doing, and thinking. So that's why it's called outsight versus insight. But I wanted to ask you, my last question for you, Paul, is about this, this idea of cultivating imagination. I just love the way you phrase that. In my journey, I feel like that is equally as important if not more important than the hard work uh, because that's what unlocks so much. And so I'm wondering if you have any exercises you could share with us or you know, reflections on, on helping people cultivate that imagination because from that imagination comes the questions, right? If you don't have that imagination, you're never going to ask those really important questions and challenge your assumptions underlying your life. I think there needs to be some sort of output where you're interacting with the world. And that can come in the form of writing, that can come in the form of journaling, that can come in the form of volunteering, that can come in the form of dancing. I think there has to be like some output such that you get some sort of feedback based on what you're doing, right? And then you see, oh, that's interesting how that hit with people or that resonated. And then then you start coming up with ideas, right? And you start doing other stuff and you gain confidence learning something, right? It, if, you're, if you've never written before, you can't imagine writing a book. But once you write a short blog post, you can imagine writing a long blog post. And then once you've done a long blog post, you can write like a really good long form essay. And then once you've written 50 long form essays, you can say, oh, that's interesting. I've written a book's length of words. Maybe I can write a book. Or whatever it is, right? There's so many different mediums right now, right? You could create a Kindle collection of essays, right? And just put that up. I think changing your environment is huge too. So I think early in your career, changing jobs just for the sake of changing them 
is totally underrated. If you're in an accounting job for five years or a consulting job, same company for five years, you're going to know most of what you're doing 80% of the time. That's probably not ideal for like coming up with different ways to live life or imagining different possibilities for what you're good at. Uh, Sometimes it takes like blowing it up a little, but in a safe way. And I always tried to do that even when I was employed, like when I got stagnant. It's like, how do I blow it up and move in a slightly different direction such that I don't know what I'm doing again? So yeah, I think think it's really about beginning and starting things and putting things out there to see how the world reacts. Paul, I I just want to thank you for having this conversation. I had a whole list of questions, you know, to ask you, but I think we we kind of ventured into some different and hopefully insightful places for our audience. Um, Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, I really appreciate just yeah um, your generosity again in in helping people and putting putting your work out there. So there'll be links in the show notes, of course, on how to access your website, your writing, and your course. So I, I just want to thank you again, and yeah, I'm looking forward to what you learn one year on the road with your wife. <laughs> I will I will keep you posted. But <laughs> certainly, the pathless path. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, press subscribe so you get all our new episodes. And leave us a review if you can on iTunes or your podcast app. It helps more people discover the show. I sincerely appreciate it. You can also find the show notes to this episode or any episode at upstartist.tv ace. Hope to see you there.